Hey everybody, yeah. Susan Finch here with All Volunteer All Heart from Binky Patrol. And this is part of our Mr. Ballin Foundation series, where if you missed the last episode with parents of murdered children, ooh, that was a rough one, but inspiring and there's stuff we can all do. I'm continuing this series with people I have met through the Mr. Ballin Foundation. And Mr. Ballin has come in to help a handful of us with our missions, with preventing violence, healing violence, comforting people. And this has brought me to bringing Buck Blodgett on. And Buck, I first I did a typo because, you know, it said it looked like light, but it isn't. It's not light.org. It's L-I-G-T-H. Love is greater than hate.org. There's a longer domain too, but just spell light, but wrong. L-I-G-T-H dot org. You're going to want to hear about his project and see how maybe you can get involved. Maybe you can start a chapter. Maybe you can invite them to come speak. But enough of that. Buck, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, you're right. Most people's devices autocorrect and then they never find us. But we can't change. Love is greater than hate. So it's L-I-G-T-H dot org. It is. And it's also the love is greater than hate project. Yes. Dot com dot org. L-I-G-T-H dot org or the love is greater than hate project dot com. I'm going to put both of those in there, folks, because if you Excellent. have fat fingers like I do sometimes and have typos, then we're going to we're going to avoid that. And we just want to get you there. So, Buck, First, tell me, how is how has everything changed since Mr. Ballin Foundation got involved with you guys? Oh, my gosh. Where do I even start? Just the first, just the shock of a stranger from the other side of the country being moved enough to donate the, kind, the, the size of the donation that they did, five times bigger than anyone we'd ever had, just from seeing a Dateline episode, Jesse Stories on Dateline, for those who don't know. And then ever since then, Mr. Ballin, the foundation doesn't just financially back our organizations. They also, they've provided technical support to me. They taught me how to edit video so I could create this new event with video editing. They sent Brian to me. Um, they're coming to our retreat in October from across the country to help us vision decade two for our organization and how we could work together. And it just never ends. Lori, the executive director, has just yesterday talked with our Rita, one of our new hires, to give her ideas on events planning and building an events program for nonprofits. The level of partnership has changed everything for us because, you know, when you collaborate, you know, you've collaborated with people, Susan. It just gives you a strength and a power that you don't have when you're alone. It does. And that's also why I wanted to have all of you on for this series. We all, folks, we all met on a call, a Zoom call, just to introduce each other, tell our missions. And the wheels, I could see everybody's faces like, oh, how can we all do something together? How can we help each other? Because we have a common goals. And it's like you said, people stop hurting people. That's kind of an overall goal. Stop people from being hurt stop people from hurting, stop people from hurting others. It seems to be the common thread for all of these organizations. And there is strength and there's strength when you can bring people in with different levels of experience 
to be able to say, oh, you know, we tried that once or we did that or have you ever thought about this? That's invaluable. I mean, there's no way you can think of all those things, especially at 10 years. And with us, we're at 20, 27, 28 years. We've been around, but we grow at the pace we can. And this is enabling us to make a nice splash and hopefully get a bunch of volunteers in October too. We're having our big event in October. Okay, so we've covered how we're connected, why it's important. I want to hear about the Love is Greater Than Hate project. Well, our origin event, uh, it, it's another project born from tragedy. And one of the things I love about your mission, as you say right in the beginning about having a sense of humor, and that's so important in life, especially when bad things happen, big bad things. And so I want to do that, but I, I, I'm first of all, by nature, I'm serious. And I, I need to learn to have a more of a sense of humor. And second of all, our topic does not lend itself to humor and lightheartedness. Right. So uh, I'll just tell people straight out what happened and a little trigger warning. It can be uh, triggering for people who've experienced domestic violence, especially sexual assault. Um, so my daughter, Jessie, was 19 years old, 10 years, just over 10 years ago. We just had our 10th anniversary and um, a friend who was welcome in her home, a trusted friend, sat right next, next to each other in high school for four years, first and second chair of violins and the orchestra and choir and all the musicals and plays. And um, he waited for me and my wife to go to work on a Monday morning, Jesse's first Monday to sleep in on summer vacation, halfway through the summer, because she was a hard worker and she'd been working all summer. And he came in the home after we left and he he did the unthinkable he attacked Jesse in her sleep. He um, he hogtied Jess, and I won't go into any more detail than you want me to. I I'm a little weird. I do believe that I, I'm very sensitive to triggering people, but I believe it's critically important that we face the darkness and that we talk openly about it because I believe if we can't, then the darkness owns us and wins. If we can't even talk about it, then what hope is there to actually do something about it? So I talk probably sometimes too openly about exactly what happened. But um, Jess was attacked. She was hogtied. She was raped by Dan, her friend. And then he reached for his backpack, which the DA called his murder kit. And he pulled out a rope and um, he strangled Jesse to death. And, and didn't need to. And if you knew all the details of his computer search, you would see that this wasn't, you know, crime of passion lost my mind for half a day. It was well-planned, long-planned execution of a friend for no reason. You know, nothing she did to him except he wanted to rape and kill. So that was the origin event of our project. It was so shocking. It, of course, it just launched me out of my entire 53 years. You okay? Yeah. It obviously it changed everything for me. In in that moment of getting the phone call at work that every parent fears, it was suddenly every person, everything was different now. Every person was sacred and precious. Every every second was because suddenly this this time that we have that I'd right. been taken for granted after 53 years on the planet that you know without losing that suddenly I realized 
we're not promised tomorrow. Every word out of our mouth, every person, every second was precious. Uh, and at the same time, the my, my friends and Jesse's friends and our whole community and way beyond, our families, way beyond, um, there's this just ridiculous, indescribable outpouring of love and caring. And it persists 10 years later. And um, that changed me too. And given that what Jesse called male on female violence was her last and biggest cause in life, and then it happened to her, it'd be ironically, it became my cause for her in, in death and, and a project was born. Actually at her funeral, I said, love is greater than hate. And I, I don't know why, I don't know where that came from. I think I do now. I didn't at the time. And a month later, 500 people in our small town showed up at the mill pond and walked together in the night for two hours. And there was banners and signs and these blue wrists. Somebody spent $450 of their own money for these wristbands. And all of those, the banners, the signs, the wristbands all said the five words from the funeral, love is greater than hate. And uh, so a project was born and I've been working on it for 10 years ever since. These things change families, they change marriages, they can change so many things. My, I, my heart is with you and your wife every stinking day. I mean, without her, that you don't get to have her with you. And I am so sorry. How is your wife? Joy's um, stronger than she knows. She, um, you know, we're two different people and we like, we share a life. We've been married 37 years and I love her dearly, but her reaction to this is different than mine. And I yes. have to watch out. I don't, you know, because of what I do, I constantly re-expose her and I, to trauma and, and I need to minimize that. So I'm talking a little softer right now because I'm out on the lanai in our new Florida home and I don't have our new desk and my home office set up yet. So, um, yeah, you know, she's great. Um, she's, she'll never be the same. No. She's a mom. Jesse was our only. So, you know, we have a few friends who've lost children, but we don't know anybody who's, who lost their only. The others at least have somewhere still to put their parent love. And and now we've moved down here to a retirement community and everybody's grandkids come to visit. And <laughs> what do we do? You know, when every, and that's all they talk about because what else do people want to talk about? Once you've had kids, you want to talk about your kids and your grandkids. And so it's a little weird, you know, sometimes you feel like you don't fit in. Sometimes mm -hmm. you feel like nobody knows you and nobody knows your life journey and experience. But I also believe that's true for every human. Just, we all have, nobody's getting out of this life without a whole bunch of little traumas and a few really big ones too. And so we're just a different iteration of that, trying to get through it together. I'd say I've learned over the last, especially the last 10 years for some reason, and my kids have helped me see this, that I have to be careful to not judge somebody's outsides by my insides. Yeah, and to that's remember, so true. To remember that there's stuff tucked away. We don't know their story. Oh, and yeah. we can look at yeah. somebody and go, pfft or oh we don't know their story and we should shut yeah. the flip up because i love that susan i just love that you know there's there's a crab pot on the block in everybody's life right somebody's yeah. cranky and negative or whatnot and 
And, uh, but there's a story behind that. That's an adaptation to something that's happened to them or many things that have happened to them. And yes. so who can we be in, in this world, right? To forward people on their journey. We can be the light. We can, we can be that bit of hope. We can be that respite. It's the one thing that I've been trying to do for the last several years is, you know, every Catholic here, every Lent, try and commit to some good behavior. You know, I, I don't do resolutions, you know, every year or anything like that, but I try and take on either a good behavior or lose a bad one. And so years ago, I tried to lose the judging people's outsides. And then I'm also, though, trying to find anything positive and not keeping it in and being sure to tell somebody. It's like what you said right at the beginning. It's so precious. Every moment, every word out of our mouths matters. And we don't know if that little piece that we just had as a fleeting thought could transform somebody's day, could keep them from becoming that crab pot on the corner. We owe that to humanity. We owe that to our existence. To I believe be that's that what way. we're all. Yep, that's what we're doing here. We're yeah. all supposed to be growing in that direction and getting stronger and better every day at being that for someone else. And I am not Catholic, but I worked with Mel for 10 years, who is. And one year she got me on Lent. I love Lent because it's a practice. It was 40 long days of trying to not drink coffee. That was pretty difficult for me. <laughs> Sugar and starch but, for me. That was bad. <laughs> but to practice, what if we practiced forgiveness every day in a real life daily application for 40 days in a row and got better at it right. or, or love or like that? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it, isn't it 32 days or 33 days it takes to form a new habit? So that's heard 40, that. Yeah. So I think I'm in the exception. The edge. I think it takes 32 years with me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying it, but I, I do have a daily routine I'm, and we do work in prisons. And one of the things I can't, I'm always talking to the guys about, you've got to have a daily practice. You have to, if you don't, you're going to just stay the same. If you want to transform and grow and change, it's like anything you want to learn a musical instrument what happens? You practice every day for a half hour, an hour, and you take a lesson every week. Or if you want to get good at a sport, you go to practice for the entire season and the coach, you know, same thing with love, same thing with forgiveness, same thing with becoming better people. We have, it takes work. It doesn't just happen to us. We have to you practice. just drop this out there though. When I go to the prisons. Okay. Let, let's expand on that. What do you mean you go to the prisons? If you would have told me, Susan, okay, in the interest of being lighthearted on a heavy subject here, if you would have told me 10 years ago that you're going to go to into the state prison system in Wisconsin, we've done now 35 to 40-ish programs for about 3,500 inmates and staff at about 20 different prisons in Wisconsin. And it's become my favorite thing to do. I mean, I'm in Florida now and there's pools all over and golf courses all over and I love all that, but I love going into the prison system and working with the guys. And I think the reason, there's many reasons. And one of the big ones is they're hungry for it. My experience of the prison system is not what you see on TV. I mean, it can be bad and it can be a cold, hard, violent place, but most of the people in there want to do better. Don't we all, don't humans want to get better? Hope, don't most of yeah. us, something inside of us. In fact, one guy said, I went in with Pastor John once and John asked him, what's your biggest fear? And one of the first guys stood up and said that I can't change. That I won't be able to change. And that just went, Ooh. 
that's one of my big fears now that he mentions it. I don't want to stay the same. I want to get better and help people more as be in the limited time I have left. <laughs> wow. What a way to use time. And you're always reading about the, you know, the records of most violent prisons, the terrible prisons and all these things. The Wisconsin system sounds like you have made a difference, maybe adding to the peace of the environment. I am a person who doesn't see, I think this is universally true, but maybe more for me. I have low self-esteem by nature, though you'd probably never believe it being on a podcast with me for a little while, but it's true. And I don't see the difference I make generally with people. And every once in a while, somebody says something or does something and I go, oh, wow, that landed with them when I was here last year and they've remembered it ever since or whatnot. So... Um, I believe it's hard for all of us humans to see both the good and the bad impacts we have on everyone around us. So it's important for us. And, and it's, it's a duty of being human, I believe, to be intentional about to, you know, have a, have to work at having a certain amount of focus and awareness of how we're treading on others and the impacts we have and what they are. And can I, invent and create the very best possible outcomes that my potential is when I'm with you right now, or when I walk into Dodge Correctional and I'm with the 50 guys for an hour. I think part of it too, you're calling it low self-esteem. I would challenge you to call it ego. Yes. And, and a lot of times when we are driven with our hearts and our souls to do something we're not paying attention to the ego part. We aren't paying attention to the pats. On. We're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I get surprised all the time with Binky Patrol. Letters will show up. People will email me and tell me the impact that a blanket had on their family, had on their child, that their child still has it, that 20 years later, somebody writes me, mine's tattered. Can I have a new one? Said, it's been 20 years. <laughs> And we got a prayer shawl from some lady in New Jersey. Now I'm from Wisconsin. I have no idea how she actually good morning. America did like a minute on Jesse's story when it first broke. I never knew shows did that because I wasn't watching them. This lady, now I was an atheist at the time. This lady said a prayer on every stitch right. of this shawl she made for us and, and tracked us down and sent it to us. And she has no idea to this day the impact that that had on me. I don't know if I even understand the full impact that had on, on me. <laughs> oh, I, it's yeah, awesome what you do. Well, Binky Patrol, when we started, I, if you, you know, you read our story, five of us out front, you know, I put a sign up sheet. I had five people sign up. We had a little tiny blurb in our newspaper in Laguna Beach that got picked up by Oprah Winfrey's people. And so that first month before we were a nonprofit, before we had our 501c3 status, before I knew how to sew properly, we got mentioned with a photo of me with my little dog in my art gallery with a blanket. And she talked and because it was for National AIDS Awareness Day. So that's what we are still, you know, I still have that in our mission because that is where we started because those kids were shunned. Those kids were shoved aside as if it were their fault and who cares? You know, they're, and so for that, show she had you know just a mention put my phone number up there good golly and we went national that moment we weren't ready but I had you to launched say yes. a nonprofit before you even knew how to fully knew how to sew 
before I knew how to sew, before I had my paperwork in order, before I had a, there were no websites then. I had, I didn't have voicemail, but I knew I had to say yes, because I can't say, oh, can you call me back? You say yes to Oprah. You say yes to Family Circle. You say yes to the opportunities and you figure it out after because they are gifts and they're put there for us to be able to do what we're supposed to do. And so we say yes to Mr. Ballin. We say yes to everything. And we figure it out because as long as we stay true to our missions, then there is no wrong with it. For everybody who's listening, this is how callings work. If you haven't discovered or invented your calling yet, for some people, it's a discovery because it's a spiritual thing. For other people, they're, they're creating it themselves. All good, as far as I'm concerned, whatever. This is how it happens. It's like you're not even ready. No. And boom, a door opens. And it, sometimes it's a big door. And, <laughs> and you can't say no. You no. can't say no. because Not because it's Oprah, but because it's you can just feel and know and tell that something big is trying to happen. Exactly. And it wants you. It yes. wants you. And it needs you. And you're the one you got picked, whether you knew how to sew or not, you got picked. I got picked. So what do you do? You, I still don't want to be an executive director of a nonprofit, <laughs> but I, I just, I'm a dad. I know. I just want to make blankets with my friends. Something. I just want to make blankets I, with my friends on the deck and drink wine. Cause that's what we used to do. <laughs> you know, if, if people stopped hurting each other, I'll just go golfing and fishing the rest of my life. That's right. But until that happens, we've, we've got to do something. That's how we feel too. Until we run out of kids to give blankets to, we keep making blankets and some come back for a second one. And that's how that is. And they knew where to go and thank goodness. And it's crazy how a blanket can help a kid feel seen. And you know, anything can be a blanket. Yeah. It, it can be a kind word. It could be, it can be anything yes. at all, but the yes, point a is, binky isn't always a blanket. You are absolutely right. It's that, it's the same thing that you're talking about. It's that reminder of love. That yes. they are seen, you, that they are love, that they matter. Yeah. And you figured out your vehicle, though. Jesse had a vehicle, too. Jesse was a musician. And she was really talented. And Dad, in his infinite wisdom, when I was more ego-driven, before life beat me down and up enough, where not that I don't have one anymore, but it it can, it's it's a blessing to have life knock us around and do a little bit of damage to our egos and our own plans and whatnot. And, and Jesse, um, you know, I had her in swimming. We, she was in the tadpoles when she was four. And then it was, you know, it was tennis and basketball and baseball. And I won dad of the year one year when I signed her up for in third grade for what I didn't realize was co-ed fast pitch hardball. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then it was about fifth grade where she figured out her gifts and it was music and her voice and her creativity. She was an artist and a performer, not an athlete. And and lucky for me, I was old enough and deep enough into life to know that it was my job to help her find her gift and support her in her gifts. But she found her vehicle. She wanted to change for her. She loved music, but it wasn't just about music. It was she really wanted to change the world. And music was going to be her vehicle, just like blankets are your vehicle and talks are my vehicle. We all have a gift and a skill and we all have a calling. And um, one of the things that love is greater than hate is here for us to help people find their voice so that when they find their calling, they got a platform and they can do something with it. 
What was Jesse's instrument? Piano and violin and voice. And wow. that kid, she created the, you know how kids can do anything on the computer nowadays. Yeah. She created this flyer and I saw it and I thought, honey, that's really great. And we drove it around and stuffed mailboxes in Hartford. We covered about two thirds of our 14,000 person town in a couple months. In the last two months of Jesse's life, she built her business from scratch. She had 28 young students come into our house weekly for voice, piano, or violin lessons. And I'd watch them. I'd hear the high fives and the good jobs. And I'd see six-year-olds walk down my driveway on their tippy toes, all inspired by my daughter. Wow. And then just like that, the music stopped and it was over because darkness struck, evil struck. And I knew in that moment too, something in me though, I'm, I've always been to try to see all sides of everything. I knew it was time to take a side. There is good and evil in this world. And it was time to fight spiritual war with love and peace and joy. Wow. And that is such a, a physical, such a sensory change for you. It's the one thing when you, yes, it's tragic. Your daughter is gone, but the lives she touched that she inspired, that she changed and probably has continued to change for those kids that walked away on tippy toes. They will always remember her, but the life that they brought to you, you don't always realize the gifts others give us until they're gone. Oh, two weeks ago, I got a private message from, uh, I call him a kid. She's probably 22 or three now. And um, I didn't know her, didn't recognize her name. Turns out she was one of Jesse's. She took violin lessons, not one of the ones paying and coming to our house. Jesse used to love to go back to her middle school too. One of her great mentors was Mr. Huckstep, who took the the Central Middle School orchestra program from 20 kids to, now, I think there was 400 kids in the whole school. And he, by the end of his tenure, he had like 240 kids in the middle school wow. orchestra. <laughs> that tells you something about him. And Jesse loved him. She loved to go back. And one of those kids reached out to me and she said in her message that Jesse's um jesse lives in my music now and i thought you know i've said that myself a couple hundred times but it really hit home when she did and it, and i i believe that's true for all of us too i believe we all live in each other through our words and our deeds and our music and all of our connections yeah. you know modern physicists say that string theory string we theory, are all yes. yep yeah, we're all connected by invisible bands of energy that or strings. And if they're right about that, then those, you know, that goes way deeper. Our connectedness with each other goes way deeper, I think, than we understand. Oh, what can we do to help you? Something more practical. Forgive someone today. Forgive someone today. I believe forgiveness is the greatest space creator that we have. And I'm from this little place just south of Green Bay, Wisconsin, where we got a little thing called the frozen tundra Lambeau field. And any football fan knows about the hallowed halls of Lambeau. And, but you can't have a, a the Packers bears rivalry is one of the oldest and we think the greatest in sports. And, but you can't have the game if you don't have the field, if there's no space 
to play the game on. And for me, the game of life, which is infinitely more important than, can't believe I'm saying this. I'm a, I'm a sacrilegious Packer fan, but life is so much more important. And if the game is love and peace and joy, there's no better field. We, we have to forgive. So if you, if anybody really wants to help do that, just, and, and pick the big one, pick the one you, you can't, or you won't. And, you know, if the dad of a murdered girl can forgive the killer, then who is it? And, and what is it that all of our listeners can't or won't? And, and would you be willing, if you believe, like I do, not that you do, not that you should, but if you have some sense that forgiveness has the power to change and transform everything, then would you be willing? And, and what's, I think a lot of us believe in that in theory, but when it comes right down to the rubber meets the road, getting down in the dirt of life, Oh, yeah. Dang it, my brother. I forgot that I'm mad at him and blaming him still, and he's wrong and I'm right. And there's that tension between, you know, that's where the hard work, where the real power to transform everything lies. What a wonderful challenge. Buck, I can't thank you enough for coming on, sharing your story. I'm glad we got you to laugh a little bit. And you're not alone. I mean, we're all there right with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And remember everybody, the T-A-G, loveisgreaterthanhate.com, or if you're accurate when you type, L-I-G-H-T, no, L-I-G-T-H dot org, will get you to the same place. And you can learn more about their mission. I saw that you have something with chapters. Tell me about chapters. We do. And just super briefly first, I just have to thank you too. And I just have to say what I always do, but it's still true. Dan not only stole Jesse's life and her future, he also stole her voice. And you have given it back to her today. That means everything to me, obviously. So um, we just celebrated decade one, two weeks ago. Jesse was killed on July 15th, 2013. I guess it was three, three or four weeks ago now. And we launched Decade 2. And one of the things we envision in Decade 2 is love is greater than hate chapters or pods all over the planet. And, you know, a lot of people don't believe our mission is possible. And even those who really support it and want to, it's just not possible to end violence against our girls and women and presence love on the planet to whatever level we need to to do that. Well, if you can't believe that that's possible, we have this hundred year vision, the end of interpersonal violence by the end of the century. We couldn't you at least believe that 20 years into this hundred year plan, we might be able to build a hundred chapters all over the planet. Well, that'd be a pretty good start on a hundred year plan to end violence, to create a hundred pods or chapters all over the So anyways, we just had this vision recently. It's in the early visioning stages. There's no content or program yet. We're going to write that in 2023 and launch chapters in 2024. And if people visit our join us page at LIGTH.org and then click on the top toolbar, join us, there'll be seven ways you can join us and chapters is one of them. So you can sign up now to be to host a chapter wherever in the world you are. And then we'll reach out monthly, let you know how the program develops. And when it's ready to launch, you can pick from, we hope to have 
hundred or more menu items and, you know, some real user-friendly and easy that people can implement and do, and some more involved if people want to be more committed and dedicated. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susan. Well, you can listen to the replays. Go to binkypatrol.show. You can find more about Binky Patrol on our website, binkypatrol.org. That's B-I-N-K-Y-P-A-T-R-O-L.org or in all your favorite podcast apps. We will be continuing this Mr. Ballin series and you are going to meet some outstanding people and you will have so many options on ways to help change the world. Maybe an hour a month, maybe an hour a week, maybe an hour a day, but you can do it. We can do it together. Thank you.